Welcome to Dominion Sonship. Dominion Sonship Live, here we go, here we go. We have um, been for a few weeks camping on um, really giving great attention to our salvation, finding ourselves accountable to the Word of God and running our race, running, running in the lane that the Lord has called us in, running in this race of perseverance. And we looked at uh, Paul, especially his writings to Timothy of perseverance at the very end of Paul's life where he talked about finishing the race and and uh, keeping the faith. So we have been really for at least a month camping on the importance of being found faithful to the end, found faithful to that which God has called us and really above all and, and, and foremost to that call is to be found in Christ, to be found in the reality of who we are now, that we are the very children of God and that because we are children of God, we are called into a divine light. We're called into an existence that is not natural, but supernatural. And the supernatural existence is highly contended by a natural existence and by a spiritual entity, Satan. And so because it's highly contended, there are certain things that we are to do and, and, and a manner of life that we are to persevere in. And that is, that is a no quit, outlast the devil every single time and be diligent in your walk in Christ. Be diligent and be sober-minded that you will be resisted. That's part of the equation. That's part of the equation. That is what brings about greater glories, this resistance that, that is really a, a way that our faith is tested. So we will prove faithful to the very end. And so the title for today's Live soberly, live soberly, live soberly. What does that mean? Does that mean don't get drunk Friday night? Does that mean um, don't have a glass of wine? It can mean all of that. But the higher meaning, of course, is a sober mindset. And when you have a sober mindset, you will not partake in a lot of intoxicating moments. You will not partake of anything that intoxicate your senses because you realize there's a great cost to that. There's a great cost to living life intoxicated, whether it is by the cares of the world or by the wine of the world or, or by the lies of Satan, the lustfulness of the flesh, which is highly intoxicating. And so let's go to Romans 12, back to Paul, back to Paul. Today will be between Paul and Peter. Peter talked about a sober mind a lot, as did Paul. Uh, let's go to 12, Romans 12, verse 3. Now this, keep in mind, chapter 12 starts with a renewing of the mind. So we're really talking about a mindset. So actually, let's go to verse 1 and then we'll carry it into 3 because it was really the context of a sober mind, is a mind that's renewed, a mind that's renewed by the Word of God. I beseech you, therefore, this is Paul writing, 
And that word is, I urge you. I urge you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice. So this is the manner of our life, that we have to make a presentation before God of our life to be found worthy. To, in order for it to be found worthy in the sight of God, it is to be a living sacrifice. What does that mean? To me, it means I reckon my old man dead. I, or I reckon the works of the flesh to have been rendered powerless over me. I have already made up my mind that I refuse to recognize myself after the old man. I am a living sacrifice. I am born from above. I am not of the earth anymore. I am not earthly, but I am heavenly. As the second man, Adam, the Lord Jesus Christ, he is heavenly, so am I heavenly. I'm a partaker now. I'm a partaker of this heavenly existence here on earth. An ambassador of heaven dispatched here on earth. And so I am to present my body as a living sacrifice, holy. Why holy? Because through the blood of Christ, my life has been consecrated. And now in the sight of God, I am holy. I am purged. I have a purged conscience. I have a clean uh, mindset if I choose to yield to the clean mindset of the mind of Christ. Or I can choose to live unholy. I can choose not to be a living sacrifice. I can choose to indulge in the nature of the flesh. I can choose to think any old way I want to think. And therefore, I will not be acceptable to God. That's what the very next word is. It's to do with being acceptable in the sight of God. It is really to do with an engagement of a finished work that has already made us acceptable. But this finished work is bringing forth a finality, a death to an old existence. This finished work that Christ did for us is bringing forth an end to a carnal life. There was nothing but failure, nothing but unacceptable to God, nothing but foul in the sight of God and even found foul to ourselves because it would trip us up, trip us up, trip us up, trip us up, trip us up. Strifeful. Selfish. We are to be a living sacrifice. That's what sobriety to me is. It is a mindset where I recognize myself that I am to present my body as a living sacrifice. What is a sober mind? A sober mind is I live life before God. And I want to live life acceptable to Him. I want to cooperate and I want to fully yield to that which He has done for me. That I want to continue in this walk of Christ that is holy before my God. Nor that I could ever earn holiness, nor could I ever, nor could I ever do enough good works to be holy in the sight of God. It is based solely on the blood of Christ. It is based solely on a finished sacrificial work of the Lord Jesus Christ. As he laid down his life, I can now lay down my life and live life for God to pick up the new man and live out his life. So I be acceptable to God, which is here, your reasonable service your reasonable service we have a service to render to God and do not be conformed to this world do not be conformed to this world don't become as the world let there be no 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 defining 
moment that characterizes you as a Christian. When you're in a group of many, stand out for Christ. Don't blend in so well into the world that you're totally conformed and there's absolutely no identification identification to anyone looking unto you that you are of light. We don't want to be conformed. We don't want to look like the world. We don't want to sound like the world. We don't want to partake of what they partake in because that is just the opposite of being found acceptable to God. But what are we to do? We're to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. <laughs> Back to the mind renewal. Back to what? That we might prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God? Well, we know his word is his perfect will for our life. So when our minds are renewed by the word of God, we're actually proving how amazing this word is. We are actually proving to ourselves the glory of the word. We are actually proving to ourselves that this is indeed my life. And there's no other manner that I could live outside of this and be found pleased to God. I'm proving to myself, I'm renewing my own mind to recognize outside of this truth, everything else is a lie. There's no other truth. There's no such thing as half truth, half lie. Uh, there's no compromise where truth is concerned. It is only one way. It is a single lane. It is a narrow way. It is the only way, Jesus said. He is the only way to the Father. The only way, the only thought I can have that is Edifying to my father and to those around me is the thought of God, is a thought that is based on the edification of the word of God. It is based on a reality that I don't see with my natural eyes. It is based on a pure persuasion of faith that God indeed has sent his son to die for me in this death. This death brought forth life in me. And so to many, we're incomprehensible. To those of a carnal mind, we're not easily understood. But let, let God do what God has done in your life for them, and they will understand you down the road. Be patient, as God has been patient with you. But one thing that you and I are to do is to continue in this transformation. It is to continue to yield to the mind of Christ. It is to continue to yield to the lead of the Holy Spirit that will go from glory to glory. And so now here in the context of this is the nest and here comes verse three. For I say there, uh, for I say, Paul says, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly, more highly, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but think soberly. Be sober-minded. Think, think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For we, for as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So we, being many, are one body in Christ and individual members of one another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Let us use them 
If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. What, what is verse three telling us? In the being sandwiched between all these other verses, what does it look like to think soberly? I think soberly when I recognize myself that I'm placed in the body of Christ. I think soberly that now it's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. And that the Christ gift within me has come with many graces that I am to yield to. And I be an edification to the body of Christ. What does that bring about? It brings a mindset of a heavenly reality. I do live life before God and I will give an account to God for these graces and these gifts. And he says, if you're called to teach, then you teach. If you're called to exhort, then you exhort. If you're called to prophesy, then you prophesy. Why would he say that? He's saying, yield to his grace. Yield to his grace. And these are the graces that will be judged on. If I'm not called to teach, but I do teach, I'm not yielding to the grace if I'm, let's say, called to prophesy. I don't get to pick and choose what I'm called to. I'm to be found accountable to his calling. I'm to be found accountable that I cannot be conformed to the world, but I'm to be transformed by the renewing of the mind. Now that is sober-minded. That to me is a sobriety of mind that my flesh profits me nor anyone else. <laughs> but my opinion that is of a carnal nature is actually destructive to myself and to those that I want to dish up my opinion. That without a conviction that comes of the Holy Ghost through the Word of God, I'm toast. I really have no wisdom of myself. I really have no lead of my natural man that will be edifying to another. Because my natural man can only produce one thing. It's pure selfishness. Self-seeking. And so to me, a sober-minded man is, is one, if we go to Colossians, or it's not, sorry, Galatians, I'm sorry, not Colossians, Galatians. I always have Colossians in my mind. Galatians 2, this to me is sobriety of mind. 2.19, Paul says, 19, for I thought I through the law died to the law that I might live to God. I have died to all obligations. That I live solely to God. I have died to all the should do must do all the obligations so that I be solely led by the Spirit of the Lord. That is a total rebellion to your flesh. That is a total disdain to everything that the flesh represents in your life. All the urges of the flesh is I gotta do it. I should do it. I must do it. I must look good. 
to someone. Paul says, I've done to the law. I've done to all the requirement of what is right in someone's sight, what is not right in someone's sight. And I solely live to God. And this is the only way you can live to God. It is verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. Now, this is a sober thought. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. It's no longer these carnal desires and these fleshy ambitions. It's no longer I in my fallen state of a mind that lives. But now I dawn on glory by putting on the Lord Jesus Christ, by being mindful of the word of God. I allow him to live his life through me. He says, it's no longer I who live, but Christ. Christ lives in me. There is a reality of Christ living in you. And this today, if you take anything out of this message, sobriety of mind is Jesus himself lives in you. So whatever you do, you do it in his sight. Whatever you think, you think it in his sight. Whatever you talk and say, you do it in his sight. And so be sober today for you will give an account I know I have to keep myself accountable to that which I say sobriety of mind is it's no longer I but it's Christ in me who lives life now and knowing what he has done for me and laid down his life the word talks about grieving the Holy Ghost and the more we allow the word to clean us and to wash us and to bring forth this purity of the bride of Christ that all together, all of us are the pure bride, a pure expression of love coming back to our first love towards our, our, the one who loved us, our lover, our savior. That when we allow the word to wash us, we become a lot more tender and a lot less desiring to grieve him. Because it grieves us. It grieves me when I grieve him. You know why? Because he lives in me. And we can be so good in the cover-ups. We can be so good in the look good and the, like Paul said, in uh, obeying the law, just doing the right thing, the right thing, jumping through the right hoops, the right height, the right pace, the right smile. We know if we choose to live sober and not callous ourselves, we know it's no longer I who lives, but there is a Christ man, God, who did not spare his son who lives in me now, who has died a death that I should have died. That keeps me sober. Would I want to look back? Great temptation to look back. But I can't afford to look back when he's told me to run a forward race. I can't afford to trip over an old mindset when he's told me that I'm not to be conformed to the ways of the world. That I'm to forsake that now. So really, living soberly, I have so many verses, but living soberly, it, it is living a life before God. We can read all these verses and like, yes, I know that verse. No longer, no longer I know Jesus, Jesus in me, Jesus 
Well, let's live it out. Let's live it out. Let's live it out. Let's live it out. Let's put this old man down. Let's make a choice to put an end to the carnal ambition. Been crucified with Christ. I, all I do is identify with his death. I didn't have to hang on the cross. I just identify. <laughs> How merciful is our Father God? He's just saying, believe that he died for you. And through faith now, you're identifying with his death. And through that identification, you're reckoning your old man dead. It's through identification. It's on the basis of believing. I don't have to go and hang on the cross and be nailed to, to say I'm, I'm crucified with Christ. No, I, through my identification, through my faith, through my believing, I'm reckoning that that which he did is exactly what he did. And in his death, I have died. So now in his newness of life, as he rose again, I now have newness of life. It is faith alone that saves you. Not of works lest anyone should boast. Even if you were there, the, you know, the, the two thieves on his side that died, the two sinners. Even if you, at that moment, said, Jesus, I'm a true follower. I'm just going to let them nail me on the cross because they're nailing you on the cross, Jesus. I'm a trooper. I'm all the way. I'm not like Peter. I'm not like Peter. I'm not for, I'm just, I'm just going to, I'm just, here, put the nails. You know, that would not have brought righteousness in your life. That would not have justified you in the sight of God. No matter what you do for God, the only sole justification is the blood of Christ. It is faith in the blood of Christ. It is faith in that which he did not what I have done. And all of us, all of us feel like, oh, I got to earn this. I got to do something. You know what you do? You know what you do? You do what he tells us in Romans to do. This is your reasonable service. You be a living sacrifice. You walk this holy Christ walk. You be found acceptable before God on the basis of the blood. You now don't be conformed to the foolishness of the world that's coming to naught. It's coming to naught. Though the fowls of the field, what does the word talk about? These boisterous, proud men that they look like like flowers in, in their blossom. But what does the word say? They, they're withering. They're coming to naught. But what's going to abide forever is the word of God by which we have been born. We are born through this incorruptible word of God so we can now have eternal, non-fading, non-corruptible life. So our life will never fade away, our life in Christ, because it's born out of the word of God which abides forever. This no longer I. Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, in this body, I live by faith. I live by faith. I live by faith. I live by faith. I live by believing him. I, I walk out like I believe him. I live life like I believe him. 
Not I believe you, Jesus. I believe you, but I go and I mingle and I'm just like the world, just like the world. No distinction between me uh, cursing and me this and me being coarse conversations and rude in my way as, as anyone else in the world. I'm just the same. It's just the same. Well, that's not edifying to you, Christ, man. That's not edifying to the body of Christ. But now I live life through him. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. Look who loved me. I live life by the one who loved me. I live life by the one who loved me, who did not condemn me. Maybe my message is tough. Maybe my message is, maybe today it's another one of those, you know, sober up moments. It has been the last month. It's been, it seems this is the message, dominion sonship. The life of the Son of God is to be made evident through us, the sons of God. It takes sobriety of mind. But it's well worth it. Peace of mind is well worth it. Knowing, knowing you're one with your father is well worth it. Knowing that he'll never condemn you is well worth it. And I'll tell you, if you don't yield to this life of his love, all you feel is condemnation because you're yielding to your flesh. And what does Romans 8 says? That if you live in the flesh, there is condemnation. But if you do not live in the flesh, you live in the spirit. There is now therefore no condemnation to those that are born of God. And so really, it comes back to choices. It comes back to a mind that is renewed by the word of God to be able to discern right, to make the right choice. Because if you do not have the function of the word through the power of the Holy Ghost, you wouldn't even know you're making the wrong choice. You'll self-validate every wrong choice you make. You'll excuse every wrong behavior. And you'll be very happy to conform to the world because now you've got to mix. What is it in Rome? When in Rome do as the Romans do, what was that? When in Rome do as they do, right? No. No. We always do as the kingdom of God does. But we do communicate on the place to where they're at. But we don't ever conform to the way the Romans live. We don't conform to the way the world lives. Let's go. Actually, I wanted to look up the word um, sober from here back to 12, Romans 12. We can say, when in the kingdom of God, do as the kingdom of God does. Be a light. Be a light. Romans 12, 3. So there, uh, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. This in the Strong's is that you do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but think of yourself. So there's something about that we're, how are we to think of ourselves? But think of yourself. How am I to think of Desi? How am I to think of Desi? I'm to think of Desi with a sober judgment. A sober judgment. There's a standard of life that I will be evaluated by. Me, Desi, evaluates Desi through the word of God. 
This sober judgment, this word that, that here the New King James says, think soberly, soberly, is the Greek 4993, sophroneo. It is to be of a sound mind, to be temperate. See, here we go back to self-control. What do you mean? What do you mean, Desi? It gets tighter. Yeah, it gets tighter. Your flesh has to have zero expression. Oh, but you can have fun. You can have fun. Just don't embellish in the deeds of the flesh, which is what? The pride of life, the lust of the eyes, and the lust of the flesh. That's what we're talking about. We're not talking about having fun in, in, in life. We're talking about reckoning that old man dead, which is moved by the pride of life. Arrogance, thinking more highly than I ought of myself. Lust that drives the flesh and the eyes. So here, this word properly, the word study is safety-minded. So soberly, to think of myself soberly over the sober judgment, it's actually I'm being safety-minded. Are you safety-minded today? What a powerful word. To be sober money is for me to be safety-minded. Everyone's about safety nowadays. Procedures on safety, how to be safe, how to be safe on the workplace, how to be uh, safe when you drive, you, you, you buckle down, how to transport the children as, 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 as toddlers, as babies, and they're safety, safety, all about safety. But God has a safety plan, and that's a sober mind. The mind of Christ. So think safety-minded, having a sober outlook that reflects true balance. For the believer, this word is also think shrewdly, reflects what God defines is true moderation. This God-controlled perspective blends the extremities of truth on both sides of a matter. And so it is, the root word of it actually comes from the English word, um, okay, let's, the whole word family, the root of it comes from two words, so, safe, and frem, which regulates life. The root of that word frem in, in English is diaphragm, or frem leads to diaphragm. So this is how your mind is controlled through the word of God. This is how you breathe on purpose with the word of God. This is how you walk on purpose with the word of God. This is how you walk on purpose. You be a light. This is being safety-minded. So let's go to Titus from here. I'll read first chapter 1, verse 9. Because I've been wanting to read this verse the last few weeks. It just never came around. So I'll just start from here. Verse 9, holding fast. This is regarding the qualifiers of elders. Holding fast the faithful words. That we're to hold fast the faithful word. As he has been taught, as we've been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine, both to exhort and convict those who contradict. So without holding on to the word of God, you'll not be able to navigate conversations. You'll not be able to discern if this, if this conversation is contradiction to your faith or if it is in line with that which you believe. And so when you hold on to the word of God that you've been taught, 
you can exhort and convict those who contradict. Um, so then from here we go to chapter 2, verse 6. Likewise, exhort the young man to be sober-minded. This sober-minded is the word we just read in Romans 12. Be safety-minded. Be sober-minded in all things, showing yourselves to be a pattern of good works in doctrine, showing integrity, reverence, incorruptibility, sound speech that cannot be condemned, the one who is an opponent may be ashamed, having nothing evil to say of you. So why do we live soberly? Because we are an example. <laughs> we don't live life to ourselves. People are watching us. We are a true reflection of Christ. Or we are to be a true reflection of Christ. That's why we can't be conformed to the world because we're dispatched as ambassadors to shine light, to demonstrate a sound pattern of life. I don't want to be, I don't want to be, I don't want to, I want to flesh out, I want to flesh out. Oh. It can cost someone their salvation. I don't want that on my shoulder. Why does Paul here write? To Titus, the Titus is supposed to what? To teach the young man to be sober-minded in all things, showing yourself to be a pattern of good works. In doctrine, showing integrity. Walking in the integrity of the Word of God. Preaching the truth of the Word of God, not myths and fables. In doctrine, showing integrity, reverence. Look at that. Incorruptibility. Live a life that's not corrupted. Oh, live a life that's not corrupted by the world. Sound speech, sound speech. How you talk, it's important what you say. Sound speech, it's your safety. Sound speech, because really Satan, all he has to work with is your words. So whatever you give him, he's got ammunition. So give him nothing. Sound speech that cannot be condemned. That one who, look at this. That one who is an opponent may be ashamed, having nothing evil to say of you. We don't need to shame anyone. We don't need to shame anyone. You live a proper life, and God will take care of the rest. God knows how to convict the heart of man. But when you live life right before God and others, that will bring a conviction in their heart. They'll have nothing evil to say of you. Here in, um, where was it? Thing in First Timothy. Yeah, First Timothy 3. I love this. 2 and 3. It, it, it goes with, now this is Paul writing to Timothy, but it's exactly the same. He's talking to the pastors, right? Of how to instruct the team, the bishops, the, uh, the, 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 even the young ones. But here's regarding the bishop. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, Temperate, okay? Temperate, sober-minded. Here we, again, sobriety of mind. Sober-minded, of good behavior. Hospitable, able to teach, not given to wine. Not violent, not greedy for money. But gentle, not quarrelsome. Not quarrelsome. <laughs> I pull myself by the ear. I'm like, Desi, don't be quarrelsome now. Not quarrelsome, 
not covetous. Look at verse 4, just the first part of it. One who rules his own house well. Now, I recognize this is in light of as, as a parent, you know, teaching your children obedience, teaching your, your children to, to heed your voice, teaching them to be submissive. But really, you can't teach them to be submissive nor obedient if you yourself are not walking <laughs> in obedience to God. If we're not walking, verse 3, verse 3 is not given to, well, actually two. What is it? Husband to one wife, temperate, sober-minded. We so focus on getting our house in order. I'm going to tell you, little child, what you're going to do as I flesh out. Because I'm your parent. No. You live life before God and you are watched by your children. The way you live life before God, they're watching you and they're going to mimic exactly the pattern of your life. Temperate, sober-minded, of good behavior, hospitable, able to teach, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, gentle, not quarrelsome, not covetous, one who rules his own house well. I look at that. I remember God teaching me on dominion many years back. And he said to me, I was actually putting my bracelet on. I was putting my bracelet on. It just had my little letter D hanging on this bracelet, I was putting it on, and the Lord said to me, Desi, dominion starts when you start dominating your flesh. Dominion starts when you know how to dominate your flesh. You rein your flesh in. You restrain. You put the bangle of the word of God. You put a parameter of the word around you and don't trespass that boundary line. That is dominion. And from this place of dominion that you've imposed on yourself, that dominion runs into your household. Of course it will. But we're to rule our own house. Well, why? Because there's a great devourer that's going on. There is a devourer that is going on that Satan loves you being in the flesh. The food that Satan eats and goes, yum, 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 mm, that's good is your flesh. So go ahead if you want to feed Satan, embellish in your flesh. Go ahead if you want to feed Satan, be quarrelsome. Go ahead if you want to feed Satan, be greedy for money. Go ahead if you want to feed Satan, give yourself to wine. Go ahead if you want to feed Satan, be covetous. Sobriety of mind will live life before many eyes, including Satan. So, First Peter. First, but actually, I just landed in Galatians 6. In Galatians 6, there is something before you go to First Peter. Galatians 6, 1 to 5. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. This is Galatians 6, 1. In a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tem tempted. So again, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to when you're helping a brother that's tripped up. Don't come from a lofty place of arrogance. Oh, I would have never done that. Oh, how could you do this? 
Be sober-minded when you're walking in the body of Christ. Consider your own self, lest you be tempted. Bear one another's burden and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Man, some of the verses are just tough verses. It's the truth. This is actually a liberty. This is liberty because it's telling me I don't need to live in the flesh. It's nothing. There's nothing in the flesh. So I want to be as Paul was to reckon that old man dead and to say as Paul did in Galatians 2. What did he say again? I have been crucified with Christ. This is how you don't think of yourself more, more highly than you ought to. This is how you know there's something good in you when you acknowledge the Christ life by which you live now. This is sobriety of mind. This is how we will not deceive ourselves. I'm so good, I'm so good, I'm so, I'll never trip up, never trip, I'll never trip up. In the flesh, I will trip up. I'll be the first to trip up in the flesh. I'll be the first to become quarrelsome in the flesh. In the flesh, there's nothing good. In the flesh, there's nothing good. So why would I deceive myself, think there's something good in my flesh when there's nothing good? Jesus says the flesh profits for nothing, nothing. But the spirit gives life. In the words that he speaks, there's spirit and there's life. Verse 4, but let each one examine his own work, sobriety, examine your own work, and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone. When you know you're pleasing to God. You can rejoice in yourself alone. You don't have to go boast and gloat about it. And not in another. For each one shall bear his own load. That's why we don't judge another. Bear your own load today. Because let's go to First Peter and we're going to wrap it up. There's a few verses, but we can continue this message next week. If you want to come around, listen to this message next week. But this is life. Why would you not want to listen to this message of life? Um, first Peter. Well, let's go one thirteen. I would have to do this first. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind goes back to the mind. That's what we control. What do we control? You see, the way I control my behavior is by controlling my thoughts. The way I control my behavior is how I... By, by how I control my thoughts, of how I think. That's what it's all about, the pattern of thought. The way to renew our mind. How do we conform in the world, to the world, by how we think? That's why Paul told the Romans, change the way you think, renew your mind, renew your mind, put the word in. So 1 Peter 1, 13, therefore gird up the loins of your mind. He's telling me that the loins of your mind, the loins, the reproductive part, the loins of your mind. What does the New Living read, Boris? Verse 13. So think clearly and exercise self-control. Look forward to the gracious salvation yeah. that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. Yeah. So think clearly. Sober-minded. Gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober. And rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. This is how we live life. 
sober-minded so that Christ alone lives his life through us, which is a life that is based on revelation. We cannot walk out the Christ life without a revelation of Christ himself. We can't walk out the life of the word without a revelation of the word of God. And so herein lies the power of our message. And it is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is given to us to lead us in this truth of revelation knowledge. So we can now allow Christ to live his life in us and through us. And to dawn on the mind of Christ, because really, all life, the loins of your mind, the rep- reproduction of your where your life is coming from, from where you're producing it is your mind. Because as a man thinks, so is he. And so your mind is a rep- reproduction organ. My words, your mind is reproducing. It's producing. It is releasing life or death. Because as you think, so you say. And as you say, it's because you thought it and you thought it because you believed it. And so we have to believe the right thing. So let's go to chapter 211. Beloved, I beg you as sojourners, that word is foreigners and pilgrims we are sojourning (laughs) i read read here in my margin we're sojourning in a strange place we're living in a world that is not ours i beg your sojourners and pilgrims abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul Having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against your evil doors, they may, by your own, by your good works which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. This goes exactly what we just read earlier. Let them see Christ in you. Let the word be so evident in you let this christ life be so visible in you that they'll have nothing wrong to say of you and so let's go to chapter 4 verse 7 but the end of all things is at hand therefore be serious and that's the word clear-minded that's the sobriety of the mind be serious and watchful in your prayers And above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sin. And then continues to be hospitable to one another without grumbling. Don't invite someone and complain about it. (laughs) No grumbling allowed. But we're to minister the grace that God has given to us. But that's it, verse 7. The time. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. Chapter 5, verse, let's do verse 5. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourself to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. I love this. Be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves. Humble yourselves. Think soberly of yourself. Don't think 
higher than you ought to. Don't deceive yourself, but humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. He's got nothing wrong. He's got nothing in opposition to you being exalted, but let him do it. You don't exalt yourself. Let God exalt you by you humbling yourself to him that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him for he cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Resist him. How do you, how do you resist him? By being sober-minded. How do you resist him by not partaking of that intoxication of the cares of the world? How do you resist him by living life before God? Reckoning in your mind, this is truly the last hour. I will give an account. I will resist all temptation. Resist him steadfast in the faith. You resist him with the word of God. Knowing that the same suffering experienced by your brotherhood in the world you're not all by yourself going through this. You're not the only one that has to resist. You're not the only one found in that situation. You're not the only one that has to fight the good fight of faith. Paul had to do it. We all have to do it. So going back to verse 8. Why this message? Because there's an adversary that wants to kill, steal, and destroy. And next week we're going to come and see what is he really after in your life? It is that word of power, the word of God. But at this moment, our thought is to resist the onslaught of evil desires because this is how we resist the devil. And we do it by being sober-minded, by being vigilant, by refusing to partake of the wine of the world, which is the cares and the strife forms of the world. This is it. Amen. We're done.